Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. All right, hello and welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. My name is David Nori, and to my left is a woman who, after almost 10 years of marriage, still turns me on on a daily basis. Even even when I look like this? Especially when you look like this. Even when I look like I'm wrestling a watermelon yeah. and a piglet <laughs> at the same time. At the same time. Interesting. That's what it feels like. Interesting. So um, the reason why I start off with, uh, you know, turns me on, turns me on is because we're really going to talk about how to turn you on. Um, today, we're going to talk about how to turn your day on. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take this directly from chapter two of the Turned On book. And basically, at the beginning of that chapter, I asked, do you, go, do you know what 45 million people Google each month? Do you know? Hmm. How to be happy. Ooh. 45 million people a month Google how to be happy. Um, so we got to figure out what's going on here. And, you know, the best way to start being happy is to start your day the right way. So what we've seen is it matters. Starting your day matters. And what happens is we're seeing we're more inside, um, especially after the lockdown, after yeah. what happened with uh, protesting. Yeah, all this stuff, all this stuff is that we've been inside. So we talk about grounding and how to get your day off to a good start. And before I say this, how do you, what, would you consider me a tree hugger? Oh my gosh, no. There's nothing tree hugging. Well, I shouldn't say that. You love the environment and you love, you love nature, but you're not. But I'm not your average it, he's not a, He's grounder. not crunchy. I'm not a grounder. He's not um, crunchy. So let me ask you this, Ange. From a biblical standpoint, uh, where did God put Adam and Eve? In the garden. In a garden. Yeah. So, and, and now what we're seeing is in the streets and what's going on is what we call, what's another word for the city, which is a kind of a slang term for what's, what they call our cities now. Concrete jungle where dreams are made yeah. of. Yeah. Concrete, Concrete jungle. jungles. So what we're going to talk about here is, is how we've taken, uh, we've taken God out of just our environment. Okay. And the reason why is because we've removed some things that he meant for us to be around. He put us in a garden. And, and now we're, we're in these walls. We're attached to these computers and these DVD, DVDs and these TVs. <laughs> Why don't you say VCR while VCRs? you're VCRs. <laughs> but we're attached to these things, and, and we use them, and we talk about balance. But um, what we want to talk about today is, is something that I read in a great book. Um, and Angelique's just going to read you this. It's very important. Typically, you know, in a podcast, you don't want to read stuff, but she's got a great voice. And if you listen to this, we're going to build the rest of the podcast upon this. It's a book by Joe Battaglia. It's called Unfriended, and it's an amazing, amazing book. But just listen to this and see if this makes sense. Just listen carefully. It's a couple paragraphs and see if this resonates with you. Close your eyes and listen to what she says. Especially now, more than ever. Okay. To me, it's evident that nature reveals much about the existence of God. So to remove elements of the creation, clean air, trees, grass, lakes, rivers, and creatures, is to remove those very things that God created to bear witness to himself. When we surround ourselves with less of God's creation, we remove an aspect of God's presence from our lives. As such, the Christian should be most ardent of all, (laughs) sorry, conservationalists. I almost said uh, conversationalists. I've come to believe that the more time we spend inside and the less time outside in the midst of God's nature, the more chaos we will experience. This may be the most evident in cities 
where crime is more prevalent and where there is less peace. Yes, you heard me. I believe that our cities tend to be more chaotic and crime-ridden, not because there are more people, but because a vestige of God's presence has been removed from the environment, thereby making it harder to find God. I admit, I'm no social scientist, and this line of reasoning may be way off in left field somewhere, but because the environment has been so stripped of God's presence, we have lost sight of him and his place in our lives. And if we strip away the things that, of nature that by design communicate a sense of order, tranquility, and transcendence, then society will gravitate towards the antithesis of those things, disorder, stress, and focus on self, which breeds selfishness. Disorder, stress, and focus on self. Go to the beginning of the book. When was it published? Disorder, stress, focus on self. We've removed the vestige of God, so we don't see it. And, and what happens is, therefore, we're not feeling it. We're not acting as godly people as much. Mm. Copyright 2018. 18, yeah. Okay? So two years ago, okay, this was not written yesterday. So this is not a knee-jerk reaction to what's going on right now. This has been a problem that's been going on. When we have, even, even if you look at our prison systems, what do they do? They take people and they put them in four concrete walls, right? So we're removing God even more and we're expecting these people to be rehabilitated when we're taking God away. Yeah. When we move to the cities, we're taking God away. So one of the first things that Angelique and I do in our Turned On Method course on the week one is we tell people, here's your simple assignment. If you don't feel like your faith is where it should be, if you, if you don't know where God is, and right now some people are like, hey, where's God in the midst of all this? Yeah. Why, why is he letting this happen? Why isn't he stepping in? We've removed him from our daily life. So what we tell people is, here's the simple task. Go out and find three things. Step outside your house and find three things in nature right now, wherever you are, that you look at it and say, my God, that, that's God right there. I mean, it's, it's in the animals, it's, it's in the trees. You know, we just had a gorgeous spring here in Tennessee. And I looked at this tree outside of our house and, and maybe it was only for a week or so, but the most beautiful, see that purple right there uh, on the Jimmy Page little painting behind me? It was that kind of bright purple. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's God. When you see some of the animals, like these two ducks in our backyard, a black duck and a white duck. <laughs> salt and pepper. Hanging out together. Them. We call them salt and pepper. Yeah. Our kids feeding them. That's God. That's God in nature. And we're seeing what happens is nature versus nurture. That black and that white duck are best friends. Mm -hmm. The white duck's not looking at the black duck saying, hey, you're black duck. The, the black duck's not looking at the white duck saying you're a white duck. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't get in their minds, but I'm guessing by the way they hang out, they're pretty good friends. Nature versus nurture. They're inseparable. Yeah. So we're going to talk to you a little bit today about what it means to get outdoors and get away from these computers. Look, we need them. You're here. Don't go yet. <laughs> Don't go yet. But we need this, right, Ange? We, we do. Uh, look, we, have, we work from our phones. We work from our laptops. We have, you know, we're part of the gig economy. We're part of e-commerce. We're able to reach people globally and locally through these means. So while we're kind of painting a picture of technology being a villain, we realize that it's, it's not evil in and of itself. It's just that what happens is it's a slippery, yeah. slow, gradual slope that takes us off path and distracts us from where God desires our focus to be. And if we look at the picture as a whole of where God desires us to be, then we realize that we've extracted him not only from our day-to-day -day just existence, but we've extracted him from business. We've extracted him from marriage and home team, yep. like we all like to call it. We've extracted him from our physical well-being and mental well-being and True. spiritual well-being. And therefore, we've also extracted him from our faith because we sometimes just use the digital means to stay in touch with him. God does not require Wi-Fi. He doesn't require Wi-Fi. He doesn't require a good signal. What happens when we break that down? Can we get into his word? Can we get into nature? Can we get personal with him in our faith walk without those items? And the nature of how he created us is, yes, we can and we should. As a matter of fact, I believe that we must. 
because if we if we continue to extract him from all of the elements of which we live our lives, do our business, have our families, then we're missing. And I think we have evidence now more than ever of how much he has been missing from our lives. And if he has been present, how much of a wedge has been between you and him as a result of these concrete jungles, as a result of this technology, as a result of the inundation of more stuff rather than more God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you said something earlier on. Uh, you said it's a slippery slope. Remember yeah. saying that? Okay. C.S. Lewis yeah. says, and this just resonates with me, he goes, the surest road to hell is a gradual one. Mm -hmm. It's a gradual one. You know, we didn't just go from being an, an, an uh, agricultural society living on Little House on the Prairie to all of a sudden one day we're living in high rises. It's a gradual one. And, and everything's introduced into our life. This technology is introduced always in a bright package with a big red boat. And it's always introduced as this is going to make your life easier and better. And more convenient. That's how it gets in. And what happens is, I've said this over and over again, technology does not have a conscience. So technology is not going to show up one day and say, hey, guys, I'm technology. I'm the one that's been separating your marriage. I'm the one that's been taking your kids and keeping them indoors. I'm the one who's been frustrating you by showing you constant images of pain and violence and murder and, and destruction. Mm -hmm. Technology doesn't do that because technology has no conscience. And if we look at another quote by C.S. Lewis, this one I found the other day, it says, God writes the gospel not in the Bible alone, but on trees and flowers and clouds and stars. If you are missing God from your life, if you said, I need a greater faith, get outdoors. Mm -hmm. it's, he's in the breeze. He, he, is, in, he is in all these things. Um, you know, I, there's a famous architecture. Uh, architecturist, what do you call them? Architect? Architect. <laughs> She's the bright one. Uh, some of you guys have heard of Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay. So Frank Lloyd Wright is probably the most famous American architect that ever lived. And he has a house called Falling Water. It's his crown jewel of his career. It's in southwestern Pennsylvania. And Falling Water was this house that he constructed for a client. And basically, it is invested in nature. If you haven't seen it, Google it. And you're going to be like, I'll take that. I'll live there. And then look around your house and, and ask yourself how much nature is there. And, and Frank Lloyd Wright says this. He says, God is the great mysterious motivator of all that we call nature. And it has often by said, been said by philosophers that nature is the will of God. He goes, but I prefer to say that nature is the only body of God that we shall ever see. Mm. Meaning as humans, mm. nature is the only body of God that we shall ever see with our eyes. That's tangible. Mm, that's God so is in nature. Yeah. And here's an architect that wanted to implement nature into all of his works. So how can we do this? How can we do this? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, this morning was a really unique example because like David was saying before, you know, he's not crunchy, you know, he's, he's not a, a tree hugger, but we obviously love and respect nature. So what we do in the morning, I had a pair of Birkenstocks once I did. That's remarkable. So. Um, but putting our feet in the grass, feeling the sun on our face, this is where we go every single morning. Well, when, the, when the weather's nice here, um, first thing in the morning to devote our time to the Lord, to drink coffee, to, you know, to have alone time with each other before the kids get up. And, you know, it was interesting. And this morning I went back in the house um, to just warm up my cup of coffee. And I noticed my four-year-old was up, but she normally goes straight outside knowing where we are and does the same thing. She says a prayer. She puts her feet in the grass. Um, she says, thank you to God for her family and nature and everything. And where was she? This is heartbreaking. She was in front of, and many of you have you know, like Alexa's, this was a, uh, it's called Google, uh, Play or something Google else. home or something. And it's a, it was sent to us to 
you know, try from this brand, this Google Home. It's not, and called, it's, it's not called Google Addiction? It's probably. Go, is it called Google Big Brother? I think in the small print. Okay. okay. Right. That's what I thought. So uh, it was, it's a screen where you can actually like, you know, hey, Google, uh, show me a recipe for XYZ. And it shows you an actual recipe. It's a, it's a cool gadget, right? But she found a way to find herself on YouTube videos of like other kids on unwrapping surprise, you know, stuff, surprise eggs or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, we know we're the turned on family. We don't do this. So I, I said, Phoenix, you know, this is, this is not how we start our mornings. You know, better than that. This shouldn't have even been here. Um, and she got very upset, like visibly upset, went upstairs, started to pout, and I turned it off. I unplugged it. I not only unplugged it, but I put it away. David and I are probably going to destroy it. Um, and she was crying. And I said, Phoenix, your little sister's going to be here in a few weeks. This Google can't hug her, can't nurture her, can't feed her, can't show her love. It's not mommy. It's not daddy. It doesn't uh, appreciate her. It's, it's just there. You know, it's just there. It's a device. It's not real. It's a, it's actually a divide between what we, we know as family and what we are called to be as family. And, and, and as for she, you know, she actually conceptualizes this because she thanks God every day for her family. So it, immediately she stopped crying and then she came outside. And so I looked at David, I said, this is not okay. You know, that, that normally she would go straight outside. She went straight to this device, not because yeah. it's a habit but because she went, saw it and it called yeah. to her and she immediately an figured it away, a way to turn it on and watch things that we don't want her watching. And you can't explain that to a toddler. You can't explain that even to our eight-year-old. They yeah. don't understand. You know, Ella wants to know why we have a passcode on her iPad and why, why we only let her do it for a little while. And you know, when you were kids, it was something else. You never trusted your parents. Like, come on, mom and dad. Yeah. Like, you know, everything. And then you get older, you're like, wow, they were right. Yeah. So here we are in the middle of this conversation, now we've laid it out. Let's go to the Bible. What does it say? What does the Psalm of David say? He says, he lies me down in green fields mm -hmm. and green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he lies me down in, in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. It does not say he wakes me up and takes me to Starbucks and put on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, it's there. So what, what's happening is let's, let's get into why we would get grounded and, and other things. But if we get into the physical part of grounding, and this is in chapter two of, of Turn On Your Day, and, and, it, and it says this, basically, here's the studies, and this is what I've, I found out from doing some research. Studies show that when the body is grounded, meaning when your bare feet touch the earth, that its electrical potential becomes equalized with the earth's electrical potential through a transfer of electrons from the earth to the body. That's crazy. Right. It's crazy. I mean, crazy good. Yeah. And so unbelievable. I didn't make it up. You know, yeah. th this, this book wasn't, wasn't written by, by someone who is, like I said, who is a conservationist or a, for lack of a better term, forgive me, tree hugger, you know, but I, I do see these things and, and it goes on. I said, it's been revealed that this habit of grounding, this is what it does. This is what the science tells us neutralizes free radicals extremely important, mm -hmm. increases immunity. Hmm. Hey, increase, hey increases <laughs> immunity. Do we like that? Uh, reduces pain. Okay. Reduces inflammation and stress. Yeah. So these are things that has been proven to do, you know, go to your doctor and they're, they're going to tell you to take a pill for that. Yeah. No, none of your doctors, although we have a naturopath that is also a doctor. And this is what he told me. Yeah. This is where I got this from. He's like, hey, you know what? The best thing you can do is go outside. Because I said, I want to live a long, healthy life. What would you say to do? He's Three like, he, do, he says, do some intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. He says, get vitamin D, get this natural sunlight on your abdomen mm -hmm. and, in your, and in your eyes mm -hmm. for at least 15 minutes a day. Well, don't stare right at the sun. No. And what was the third thing he said? It was magnesium. Uh, zinc? Magnesium. Magnesium. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so there you go. Here's the other part, uh, sunshine. Everybody has been saying, hey, you know what? Skin cancer, skin cancer, skin cancer. And I know that it exists. And I know some people have passed away from skin cancer. Yeah. 
But what we're doing is now we're, we're taking, we're going to extremes and now we're staying indoors or we're going outside and we're lathering, lathering. up with this toxic sunscreen. Toxic sunscreen. But this is what vitamin D from the sun will do to you because most people lack vitamin D. Um, and so here's what you can do. It can help prevent against osteoporosis, cancer, depression, heart attack, stroke, 10 to 15 minutes a day of sunshine. Osteoporosis, cancer, depression, heart attack, stroke. How many of your doctors are telling you that? Hmm. Again, we're, we're not here to say, hey, listen, go out here and, you know, bake your skin so it's like leather. We're just saying that there's, we have so much natural resources available to, to us and God is in that. He does not make mistakes and he also doesn't create gaps. You know, he's, he's not a God of disorder and he's not a God of incompletion. So we're looking to be completed from all of these other outsides. It doesn't mean that man isn't here to be his hands, feet, mouthpiece and, and, and do work and go plow. It just means what are we doing to counterfeit what has already been there right. all along? And how does that mentally, physically, and spiritually start to rob us of the very thing that we were created for? And that's evidenced by what's going on in the environment. That's evidenced by what's happening to humanity. That's evidenced by what's going on in our bodies through the manufacturing and the counterfeiting of foods, medicines, um, 5G. There is so much going on that is creating a, more, a deeper and deeper divide. Yeah between us and the ultimate creator of all things. And guess who rules Google searches? Like you're not going to be able to Google search unless you put something in very specific. You're not going to have health benefits come up, say, get outside, you know, get in the sun's rays, make sure you're grounding. When you Google health, health stuff, you're going to find big, big pharma. You're going to find the World Health Organization. You're going to find all these people that they benefit financially and, and you're not going to be able to find these things. Yeah. So, Follow you know, the coin. I just got back from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it's God's country, especially this time of year. And I want you to ask yourself this. What time or what type of day do you feel most in contact with God? Mm -hmm. No matter where you live, we all live in different parts of the country. When Angelique and I lived in Arizona, we had the most gorgeous sunsets. Uh. We also have gorgeous sunsets here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. But we, we moved to Nashville basically because we missed green. I missed rain. Um, and so what, what I would ask you is, look, many of you guys have been flying lately because of COVID, but you know, when you fly, we tend to think that this country is mostly big cities that are occupied by a lot of people. And if you turn on any newscast, that's what you're going to see. When you fly, completely different perspective. You realize that most of our great country here is still very very much a wilderness. Mm -hmm. when, when you realize that green occupies the majority of our country and you feel like how small we are. And so when I'm in Green Bay and I'm at this gorgeous lake and I'm just sitting there and the grass is soft and the, the breeze is blowing in off the lake and we have a bonfire going there in June. Somebody forgot to tell Green Bay it was summertime, apparently, <laughs> freezing. So but it's beautiful. It's God's country. And, and I think that's what we should seek. And if you're not happy where you are, maybe a move to the country. Maybe a move somewhere where you can get in touch with God in nature. Because now we're going to get into this part of what we're replacing God in nature with. Mm. Okay? I'm going to get into some st statistics here. According to a Nielsen report, adults in the United States watch five hours of television per day. This amounts to 35 hours a week or 77 days in a year. That's what Nielsen says. Oh, my gosh. And it says it's not harmless entertainment. A study by the Journal of, American Heart, Journal of the American Heart Association, pretty reputable, reported that adults who, adults who watched more than three hours of TV per day doubled their risk of premature death compared to those who watch less. I mean, that's not woo-woo magazine. 
That is the <laughs> Journal of the American Heart Association. Wow. Adults who watched more than three hours per day of television doubled their risk of premature death. Was that a gut check or what? Like, let's think about that for one second. And hey, that might not just be television. That could be just any time. I'm guessing it's because you're sedentary and sitting. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just a device in general. You know, what is by left to our own devices? Let me give you another example. So I just ask people to be aware and observe. Like if we open our eyes and see with new eyes, listen with new ears, and we observe, we're going to see things. But if we close them and choose to ignore, we won't. So last night, I'm looking for something to watch with the girls before we go to bed, and I see this thing on Disney, Walt Disney World, actually Disneyland. I went to bed really early last night. Because you're carrying a child, and that happens. (laughs) Um, So I'm watching it, and this is in the late 60s, and it's Walt Disney World, which we've been every year, sometimes twice a year. And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, there's one glaring fact that I see right now. As I'm watching thousands of people in the 60s, late 60s, at Walt Disney World, in parades, watching the parades, going on rides, I'm thinking one glaring, obvious thing that even my eight-year-old could see. No carts. There was no morbid obesity. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. Look, that that's not a knock. That's in our politically correct culture. You know, some people might, how could you say that? Hey, I, I'm only reporting what I see. I go to Disney World every year and I'm flabbergasted at the amount of morbidly obese people and the amount of people who are who have not even had the ability to walk anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not, if that's you, hey, you know what? I would love to help you. I would love for you to get healthy and be able to walk. I think that's a precious thing to be able to do. And I realize people have problems. But here's in the 60s, and this was the same swath of people, thousands of people, and I'm looking at all of them. And I'm like, we've just become sedentary. Mm -hmm. We've become a sedentary society. And that's just a natural progression. We were an agricultural society, always farming, always working. Talk to a farmer. We have a friend, Luke, who's a farmer. He works like 15 hours a day. Yep. He's lean as could be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we went to a, um, after the agricultural society, we went to an industrial society. Still moving, standing, putting things together. And now, because we are so intellectually smart and successful, we've all relegated ourselves to this. We're just sitting. We're working. We're not getting up. We're not doing the things we need to do. In my book, I talk about text neck. I talk about getting pain in my thumb from sending messages. I talk about my eye having, having to go to the doctor with severe eye pain because I was writing this book and I was sitting down for so long. So these are real things. We can choose to ignore them or we can address them. Well, it's just critical thinking, you know, and in the state of society and culture right now in general, just what's been going on is we look at, we look at the health crisis. We look at what happened with COVID. Now we're looking at what's going on with the cultural divide uh, for, uh, you know, just like just in civilians. Okay. Um, And then we look at an example of that and, and what we could do and what we often do is fall asleep at the wheel, you know? And then we wake up one day and watch a video that was from the 60s and go, how the heck did we get here? Perspective, That's right? Perspective. And the same thing happens in our own lives where we look at our physical bodies and go, how the heck did I get here? Or we look at our marriage till death to us part and we're calling it quits and we go, how the heck did I get here? Or we look at being broke and then say, how the heck did I get here? Because it's the slow, gradual slope. The safest and surest road to hell is a gradual one. Yes. C.S. Lewis. Yes. So we have to be awake now and start thinking very critically as to the intentional chess moves that are being played against us each day and the intentional chess moves that we have the choice to counteract with. So when it comes to our 
nature and it comes to our faith, we have a choice to critically think, does this align with Mm -hmm. the divine word of God? When it comes to our bodies and all of the mass amounts of information that we're receiving each day through trends and gimmicks and agendas, okay, through those things, we have the ability to critically think and say, wait, scratch, scratch on my head. Can I ask some questions that might be tough questions to ask and, and actually, for once in my life, expect a real answer? Not a canned answer, not a, an, an agenda-ridden answer, an answer that actually aligns with the nature of God. It, it aligns and with... Huh? And is not the path of least resistance. Correct. Some of the answers we get, well, that's a tough one. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Let me take the path of least resistance, and that doesn't get you anywhere. And the same with, with marriage. You know, We have to ask each other hard questions to challenge each other, to encourage one another, to get past hard times. Because we're not willing to just let it run its course. We're not willing to be on a slow, gradual slope to hell in our marriage because we weren't willing to speak up. We weren't willing to ask questions. We weren't willing to go deeper. You know, that's important. And then the same thing goes for anything in business. We need to be able to think straight. We need to be able to think critically. We need to be able to think for ourselves. If I had a bullhorn, I would use that. Think for yourself, ask hard questions, go deeper, but we will end up on this slippery slope over and over and over again, and then find ourselves in the chaos, like we started this podcast with, in the chaos that we're currently in culturally, in the chaos that we are in spiritually. Let's let's, just forget about what's going outside our four walls right now. What kind of chaos is going on in your mind and your spirit right now? I can guarantee you we are more confused, more upset, more stressed, more depressed, more chaotic, and more disorderly than we've probably ever been. This has been a reset for a lot of people. A lot of people are actually more in tune. Thank God for that. But as you can see, the majority has put us in Mm -hmm. a place of utter chaos. So if we, t- if we take that chaos, and we know it's hard to concentrate nowadays, how many of you guys are working and you a ping or a ding or a, a flash or whatever, a vibration, something goes off and you get thrown off course? So what happens is we're inundated with technology, but we know it's, it has freed us up from the four walls of an office. Mm-hmm. I wrote most of my book outdoors, which was great, on a laptop, which was great. Um, but what's happening is, let's get to that third part. We just talked about how people are watching a lot of TV and it's how it's a health risk. We talked about how getting outside helps you to become healthier. Now, let's talk about the final and third component here in the last uh, part of this podcast. And that is, we're shutting ourselves off to nature and really the rest of the world. Mm. We're lonely. Mm-hmm. It's not me saying that. The statistics, look it up. People are lonely. Here's a great quote. You guys know who T.D. Jakes is? T.D. Jakes is the man. He's awesome. (laughs) Tell me if this doesn't resonate with you. T.D. Jakes says, we wonder why we're so lonely. You're lonely even when you're around people. We're living in a cocoon because our senses and everything alive about us is covered. It's phony. It's phony. So let me point this out to you in something I'm very familiar with. I was a spin instructor for 18 years classes, indoor biking. So look, I'm right in the middle because some people are like, well, spinning, that's not even outdoors. Okay. <laughs> but there's a vestige. There's an example of community. And I know this for a fact because, man, we got together. We hung out before class. We hung out after class. We talked. We hugged. So now what we're seeing is we've taken the bike indoors from outdoors. And now here comes the progression because, remember, technology does not know when it's overstepping, when it's intruding. So outdoor biking, Indoor biking in a group, indoor biking alone. Now the Peloton. I can watch it on a screen, and it's the same. Yeah? So, so I can play Wii Golf, and that's the same as real golf? No. What happens is, again, the slippery slope, the gradual safe road to hell. We're busy. Someone says, hey, Peloton, if you're busy, exercise at home. That's great because I can't get to the gym three times a week. I can only get there once or twice. So you get the Peloton. You start doing it. This is like 
this is like real exercise. <laughs> I, I can see the person. They're, they're talking. I don't smell them. I don't, I don't get to talk to anybody else really, you know, like physically bump elbows with people, but it's good. And you just do it because you were busy that day. A couple weeks later, like, hey, you know what? I'm not really busy, but who wants to get in their car and drive 15 minutes to the gym? Who wants to find a parking spot? I don't have to go in, find my bike, actually talk to people, and then come all the way home. I'll just do Peloton again. And then you do it again. And then again. And like T.D. Jake says, you get alone. Mm -hmm. You feel alone. And then you're asking yourself, why am I depressed? When did I start feeling this way? And then your, your spirit's shaking you going, hey, remember six months ago when you said we were just going to do one indoor class? And, and you haven't been around your friends. You haven't had elbow-to-elbow -elbow contact. You haven't smelled anybody. You haven't touched anybody. You haven't hugged anybody. You haven't interacted with anybody because now you don't leave your house. Think about it. How long could you stay inside your house and, and survive? 15, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, you couldn't. You'd die. <laughs> you had to go outside. Now, deliver the food. Deliver the shopping. Deliver my clothes. I'll watch, I'll watch exercise. I'll work from home. And now people's ideas getting outside is picking their head out of the door, seeing if the UPS driver's there to drop anything off. I went outside today. That's not it. Slippery slope. Guilty. We've done it. Mm -hmm. Awareness is the only way to combat this. If you're more aware, next time you're doing something, you say, you know what? I need to get outside. If I want to practice at home, we golf or I want to do Peloton, maybe it's time to go play real golf. Maybe it's time to go take a real class. Maybe it's time to get outdoors and do a real bike. I just bought a bike for the first time in probably 15 years, an outdoor bike, and I go biking with my daughter now because I become aware of the fact that I'm sinking into this abyss of the four walls. I need to get out there. I need to go around snakes maybe or duck <laughs> under trees or smell Smell the water, whatever it is, we're lonely. That's a problem. Well, I mean, just I think isolation and I think um, being lonely and being idle is the devil's playground. I really believe that. I, I believe that it is his playground. It's an Achilles for us and where strongholds can set in and really start destroy humanity one thread at a time by ripping us away from, here's the word, relationship. Community and relationship. Yeah, I mean, we're missing it. And it's because of what we have access to. No one's saying that Peloton's a bad thing. Not at all. I think it's awesome. It's awesome. You, you got an option, it's adjunctive. If you can afford it, put it in your home, make sure that you're still moving your body. Look, we are always going to show you both sides of yep. the coin here. We're not here trying to be controversial. What we're trying to do is get people to open their eyes and see differently and say, eh, wait a minute, when's the last time I physically was in another a room with other human beings. And, and this is the problem. Like, you know how weird it is to be having this conversation that we've been having for years in a time where globally people are isolated, not just by choice, but by force. That's scary. It's scary that we are actually being sequestered and uh, uh, stuck in a place where we feel afraid to either speak our minds, we feel afraid to get outside, we don't know the truth, we're, we don't know what, what's coming next. Fear has been force-fed into our mouths for months now, if not decades. And it's just, one day we just, now we're, you know, this was something that was like a flash in the pan, we thought, for a couple of weeks, and here we are, June, going, is this, is this where we are right now as a society? Well, let me ask, let me ask you a question and everybody listening. Um, you know, we, we say in, in the description of our podcast, sometimes we have to slow down to get ahead. Yeah. It seems counterintuitive. Sometimes you have to slow down to get ahead. So you said, when was the last time? I'm going to ask you guys out there. Look at this. Those of you that could see the, that could see us here. 
right back here behind Angelique, there's a record player. Mm. Okay. So I want to ask you, the generation now, the MP3 generation, when's the last time you listen to Alexa generation? When's the last time you listened to a whole song? Yeah. We, we, are, we are programmed for this short attention span. And we'll listen to the first minute and then we're, okay, next one. That slows me down. That slows me down because when I put on that record, I'm not going to go over there and move the needle. And some people would say, well, that's crazy. Why would you have to get up there? I could just call Alexa and say, play this song. By me getting up there and having to put the needle precisely on it, and then I listen to the whole thing. It slows me down. It's patient. Call me old-fashioned or whatever, but it's an exercise in patience. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you listened to a whole song? We fast-forward things. We move things. When's the last time you allowed somebody to have a full thought before we interrupted them? When's the last time somebody sent you a, a video and you didn't look at the time and said, oh, you just sent me a three-minute video. <laughs> I got about 30 seconds and that's all I can take. So we're being conditioned in a lot of ways. Um, and if we look at our feelings and our friends, the, the, the average Facebook user has 338 friends. Now, I know a lot of you guys are like, I got way more than that, right? Are those real friends? Ask yourself, do you have more Facebook friends or real friends that you can talk to, call, count on, okay? So we're feeling this lack of connection, even though we have, imagine if you had 338 real friends. Do you think you'd feel a lack of connection? You think you'd feel lonely? You think you'd ever feel depressed? If you had 338 real friends, but some people have 10,000 friends, 40,000 followers, a million followers, and they're lonely. More lonely than ever. So there's an article in Forbes magazine that says, even though social media provides significant communication opportunities, it limits face-to-face -face interactions. And the lack of face-to-face -face interactions makes it difficult to maintain an essential level of emotional intensity. It's the same thing what's happening. If we're conditioning kids and they're playing stuff on their computers, it takes away the emotional reality. I was in a meeting Almost exactly a year ago, I was shocked at what I was seeing. There was a father there, and his son was playing this game on the phone as we were all talking. I remember this. And I look over the shoulder, and I'm like, what is this game? It was a game about, wait for it, an uh, international pandemic. And the kid was actually trying to spread this disease and people were coming up with cures and then he would do something to crush the cure. And his dad's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now take it over here, put it in Africa, take it up to Europe. And his dad was encouraging this. And I was like, Will Ferrell and Magatu in, in Zoolander. I was like, am I taking crazy pills? Is this eight-year-old playing a game with a global pandemic where there's a death toll and it's spreading? And look where we are. We're losing our emotional intensity because we are being blinded to it. When you have, what's the game? I forget. It's very popular. It's been around for years where people actually get out of their cars and beat people. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's some. I never played that yeah. game. <laughs> Somebody knows what it is. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's one of the most popular games that, that was out. It's like Street Chaser or Car something or oh, it's a street video fighter. Game. It's a video game. Oh, I was like, and you literally real? walk up to people okay. with bats and guns and stuff in the street. And you pull them out of their cars and you beat them up. Oh, that's awful. That's and, desensitization. And it's, it's, it's for adults only though. No, it's as not. if adults need to be playing this. No, it's and, not. and look, I'm not one for censorship. I'm not one for censorship. I'm not one to say what you can and can't do. I'm not like, you know, mayor de Blasio says you can't have a big gulp. If you want to have a big gulp and, 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 <laughs> you know, taking, you know, 50 or 60 grams of sugar or a hundred, however many it is, and, and get yourself into an early diabetic coma. So be it, you yeah. know, but I can't sit there and condone that stuff. I'm not going to sit there and say, Hey, yeah, you know what? That's fine. Not on my watch. I can't forbid you. I can't say what you'll do. You have your individual rights. Yeah. Just like I couldn't tell this kid, Hey, that's a terrible game. I look at his father and go, you know what? There's probably zero zero value in your son playing that except it's desensitizing him to something. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what that conversation went like when COVID hit. I'm guessing if that kid asks his dad, Hey dad, this is kind of like that game I was playing that I was having so much fun. It's not so much fun when it's reality. Mm. 
Well, it is. It's just a desensitization of what we're seeing. And, and it's interesting because we watch things called programs. <laughs> we are being programmed. Actually, the word is, it's, it's ironic because the word is actually conditioned. And I just looked it up this morning. Condition, the process of training or customizing a person or animal to behave in a certain way or to accept certain circumstances. Hmm. Interesting. But that's the thing. Like, if you look at TV programs, right, we're being programmed. We're being conditioned. We're being desensitized. We're being, the, the fabric of creation is being ripped out mm-hmm. of our homes, of our minds, of our bodies, of everything, and being replaced by, because there's always a counterfeit to creation. Hey, the enemy can't author anything unless we give him a pen, okay? And, what he, and by a pen, I mean we are giving him a little bit of rope, a little bit of permission, to keep coming into our homes and ripping the fabric of family apart, mm-hmm. ripping our minds, you know, in, into confusion to where we don't know what's real anymore. Well, speaking of real, what about like the real world or reality television? Here's the thing. I was on a couple of reality shows, not like you'd think, but I was on a couple and it's anything but reality. The producers basically take you aside and they say, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're about to film this next part. This is how you feel. There's no reality in that. They don't, they don't get the ratings unless there's drama. So Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, The Bachelor, all that stuff is the farthest thing from real. And it's actually really sad that people love it so much because it's distorting reality. Yeah. They are being coached to be more dramatic so you watch it. And this is what we are calling reality. And this is what's going into our brains. So there was an experiment I remember when I was in college taking college psychology. They had this experiment. Do you guys remember some of the older folks like me? They had these uh, big, <laughs> they had these big uh, like inflatable clowns, and at the bottom was sand. And sometimes it was a clown, sometimes it was different. But basically, there was these things that you could punch, and they pop back up because the bottom was full of sand. Mm-hmm. And so they took these kids, and they they had these kids watch a television of these kids going into a room. And the first kids went into the room and everybody passed it. They told the kids not to touch it. And the kids passed it and they played with other things. And so when the kids watching the TV went into that same room, they did it. They passed the thing and they played with other things. Now they showed another group of kids going into the room and they all just started beating up on that toy and punching it and hitting it. And then when those group of kids went into that same room, guess what they did? They beat it up and they punched it and they hit it. So this is a form of of visual conditioning. What you're seeing is the more you desensitize people, the more you show them what's acceptable or what they should do visually, you can't say I'm blocking that out. Even if you're an adult, you say I have the ability to discern between reality and fantasy. What happens is if you bombard your subconscious mind with so much fantasy instead of reality, even the most discerning adult will start to have a distorted view of what is real and what isn't, what's acceptable and what's not. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> to summarize, um, you know, if, if this is something that is resonating with you, if, if you see this evident in your lives, in your minds, uh, in your physical bodies, in your marriage, and in, in the way we uh, view the world and the way we do business in the world. I would suggest that you get outside more. I would suggest that you spend time away from technology. I would suggest that you do the things that we were talking about here to start restoring our human nature with the nature of God. I love that word restoring. Yeah, we got to restore this. In order to restore hope, we have to restore humanity. In order to restore humanity, we have to restore nature. 
and the nature and the essence of who God is is not found in the counterfeit creation that we know as to be the world right now. Can I get an amen? Here's an amen. So we hope that this, you know, opens your eyes a little bit differently. It's, it's what we get very passionate about. And I feel, I feel personally, it is, it couldn't be more relevant than it is today because it's time for us to fight back a little bit or a lot of it. And I'll add one thing. Let's be honest. You never are really going to conquer this. Like we talk about flipping a switch, but you don't flip a switch and walk away. This is about awareness. Mm -hmm. This is about something that you're going to have to, a long hallway that you're going to have to keep flipping these switches on and make sure that it goes on and on. You just don't do it once. You can't do it once, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. This is about awareness, catching yourself when you slip back, course correcting, making sure that we're not slipping into those same strongholds that we might've slipped in before. Yeah. So just be aware. Watch your life blossom. Watch God come into your life. Go outside. Look for him. Talk to him. And it's different for everybody. It's personal to you. If that's on a surfboard or a wakeboard or a walk in nature or a hike or just sticking your feet in the grass or putting the sun on your face, whatever it is that that comes natural to you, God, the Holy Spirit, is personal. He's personal. What is that personal experience for you? Where can you experience that? How can you separate yourself from the things that we've allowed ourselves to be on the slippery slope with that have ripped us away from what's natural and what's personal? That's what we're talking about here. So whatever that is for you, that's where we suggest you go get turned on. Amen. Because for the love of God, we know that we all are easily turned off. And that as a result of what is happening globally through the counterfeit creation that has ripped away the very nature of God. Thank you for hanging in with us. We appreciate you so much. We love your feedback. And we will get a chance to talk with you or at you next time here on the Turned On Podcast.